Our scripture text this, this week from, Heze- uh, from 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19, Isaiah 36 and 37, and 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Now we're not going to cover all those texts tonight because we covered some of them uh, past week and we'll cover some more in the following week. There's a lot in this, but it's basically uh, one story as it continues on. And so Hezekiah's close, I didn't know what else to name it, but nonetheless, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 7, Hezekiah, this is now just review, Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. So his father was serving the king of Assyria and giving um, taxes or whatever uh, to, to the king of Assyria. And when Hezekiah became king, said, cutting that off. We're not doing that. We're not serving any foreign king. Then in the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Israel in the north, the northern tribes, in the sixth year of Hezekiah, Israel was taken away captive to Assyria after it had been besieged for three years because they didn't obey God. Now, that must have been quite a shock. I mean, uh, Israel, northern kingdom, had been around for at least a couple hundred years and, and hadn't been obeying God that whole time. Never had a good king. They did have some good people. Uh, Elijah was up there and Elisha was up there and 7,000 who didn't bow the knee to Baal, and no doubt many, many others. And uh, many came and immigrated down to Judah because they wanted to worship God and they wanted to be able to attend the, the, the temple. Um, and, uh, but now, at this point, they're besieged for three years and they're taken captive. Samaria is destroyed, and that ends the northern kingdom, the, the ten tribes, and they get taken and dispersed and become known as the Ten Lost Tribes, and we don't ever see or hear from them ever again. Uh, the only remnants that we have are those that, again, immigrated down to Judah and became part of, of, of that. And so uh, Hezekiah, seeing this, uh, no doubt brought tremors throughout. Again, God had been protecting and sustaining, even in the rebellion, uh, for all those years, and this was the end and the end of the kingdom. And more than half geographically wise and more than half numerically than all the children of Israel taken and taken final um, call for them. And so in Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 1, after these deeds of faithfulness of Hezekiah, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, entered Judah thinking to win them over to himself. Hezekiah strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, and made weapons in abundance and set military captains over the people. And so we already read how in those first uh, years, Hezekiah uh, began by uh, consecrating himself, reopening the temple that had been closed under his father's time, uh, holding a Passover, and invited the people from north and from Israel to come down and join him, and many of them did. And a great revival took place for the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so much so they decided to double it and continue for another seven days, and, and so 14 days they worshipped and celebrated. And it wasn't just singing songs, there was repentance going on and confession taking place and getting rid of idols, and they went around town and smashed the idols and around the country smashing the idols and getting rid of the sin in their camp and in their hearts and in their lives and rededicating and reconsecrating themselves to the Lord. And those from the north took that with them, and uh, Hezekiah then, when uh, Syria comes in and enters after he's doing all these good deeds, Satan doesn't like that. Satan attacks, and that's how it is with us as well. The closer we draw to God and the more 
when God uses us in ministering to others, Satan tries to stop it. And so we shouldn't, uh, again, be surprised by that. And again, if we're running head-to-head against Satan, then we know we're going in the right direction. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be going in his direction, right? And so we should be hitting heads, uh, face-to-face um, collision course with him as we serve God and, and go in God's direction. And so he made weapons and built up the walls and, uh, and, and dug a tunnel to bring the water from the spring, Gihon, under the city of David and to the Pool of Siloam, which is still there today. And we looked at that and looked at pictures of that and discussed that. And uh, also the wall that is still there in Jerusalem today, remnants of it that we can see and go and visit. And if you want to go and see those things, feel free to come and join us on our next trip to Israel. Again, all this is in review. We've discussed these things. And then verse 6, Hezekiah, when he saw the Assyrians and he built up these walls and he dug these tunnels, he encouraged them saying, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, for there are more with us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words. It's very powerful. Uh, a couple verses there. that he encouraged the people with these words, and the words strengthened them. It wasn't the walls, and it wasn't the knowing the security of having water. Well, that was important, and they did those things. But they were strengthened in hearing the word of God. And that is where our true strength comes from. It's not in food and water, not in security and locks, not in walls doors, our strength comes from the Lord our God. Now it's good to have those things, especially in this day and age, and it was good in those days. Hezekiah understood that balance. It's not just, well, we'll just pray and, and leave ourselves open. They prayed and they worked. Faith and works go together, mingle together. And they were strengthened by this. Encourage them to be strong and courageous. There's more with us, even though numerically there wasn't. There were more in the Syrian army. But when we count God, we are more than a match. We are always in the majority when we are on God's side. And all of God's heavenly angels on our side. We, there's more with us than there are with them. No matter what battle we're going through. Now into new texts that we haven't looked at yet. Verse 13, in the 14th year, so now some time passes, 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish. This is very interesting here. Okay, so it's the 14th year, so it's eight years after Northern tribes have been taken captive. And so time has settled, time has passed, and in eight years, the northern tribes haven't come back. Eight years, the, God hasn't punished Sennacherib and the Assyrians and liberated the northern tribes. And so we, Hezekiah is seeing a very real, powerful enemy right on his doorstep took the northern tribes, has taken a bunch of other nations. Very real threat. 
And so Hezekiah, then he starts taking in the 14th year, King, and against all the fortified cities of Judah, and he takes them. He's taking these fortified cities within Judah now. And so it was one thing, okay, he took the, you know, took Canada or whatever, he took our neighboring country, but now they're in Judah. Took New York City, took Chicago, not that any of that thing would be too bad, you know. But if they came down here and started taking Florida, then we'd really be concerned, right? They started taking fortified cities that they built up and strengthened. So he sends to the king of Assyria at Lachish. This is where geography comes in, very important in knowing where these things are, because he sends a message to the king of Assyria at Lachish. So where is Lachish? Well, let's look here on this map. Okay, we see Jerusalem up in the right, uh, right-hand corner there, upper right-hand corner. Now you look at the next bright blue named city down in the lower or in the middle to the left. That's Lachish. And so you see Gaza over there and Ashdod and and so the Philistines, and you see Bethlehem and Jericho, right, and Hebron, Masada, Beersheba, the Dead Sea. So Lachish, now Assyria was to the east, north and east, today's Iraq area, and, uh, and so, but Lachish is not to the east, Lachish is to the west of Jerusalem. So basically, the king of Assyria has Jerusalem surrounded. Because his country is to the west, and they've come over through the north, and have come down, and have taken over now the west side of the country. The access to the Mediterranean Sea. And so now Jerusalem is trapped between the armies of the king of Assyria and the Dead Sea and the deserts of now Jordan, back Moab or Eden, Edom. And so that's the situation. So it's looking bleaker and bleaker. Northern Israel's gone. These fortified cities are gone. And now he's surrounding us. Now this is an aerial view of the ancient Lachish today. It's called a tell. It's just a mound of dirt where the city was and the walls were. And over the years, dust and dirt and blew in there and accumulated. And so now it's just a mound of dirt. And uh, archaeological digs are taking place there. There's an archaeological dig taking place there this summer. Now, I'd like to go on. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it, but uh, if you'd like to go on an archaeological dig for three weeks or six weeks, they have a three-week section and a Six-week section, uh, uh, section and, uh, session, so if you'd like to see me afterwards, and I'll put you in contact uh, with who to do that with. Uh, but they're excavating that area right now, um, and over the last few years, picked up, and again, continuing, and they're finding tons of stuff. They found a ton of stuff in their first year, just laying right, almost right on top, uh, and so they're continuing to excavate uh, that area. Now, there is a modern-day uh, city of Lachish, uh, which is just off to the side of this, but that's the ancient Tell, right now just surrounded with uh, farmland, uh, immediately surrounding. 
Now, this is a relief of a uh, or a depiction or a very large. This is in the museum in Jerusalem, in, uh, the Israeli museum in Jerusalem. Uh, it's very large. It's up on a wall, much bigger than, than this area here. Well, maybe the size of our, our front from wall to wall and, and high up. Uh, I think it's nine feet high. And uh, it's a very big relief. And it's describing the battle of the king of Syria taking the city of Lachish. Now, the original is in, I think it's in London, it's in England, and this is a, maybe a little better shot. You can kind of get sort of see more of it. It's laid out differently. Instead of being high up on a wall, it's low on this wall. Um, but you see it's, it's even bigger than this picture showing, obviously, all the way around. And so you can see how, how long it is and massive it is and lots of details of uh, people being taken captive and wars taking place and arrows being shot and horses and, and all this. And it's, a, again, uh, a description or a picture of the battle of taking the city of Lachish. Now, that's going to become significant. We're not going to get to it this week. But when we finish the story, that's going to be very significant when we come to the end of the story, which will probably be next week. Uh, but it is very significant of how big that battle was how important that city was to both Israel, or rather to Judah, and to the king of Assyria, that they proclaimed it in such broad measure uh, back in Assyria. When they went back, they had the, uh, you know, the, the artists depict this so they could tell the story. And so everyone could see what they did to the city of Lachish in Judah. Boasting of their conquest was an, obviously an important conquest for them, that they would advertise it that broadly and that big. So back to the story. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 14. <coughs> Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Ach Ach uh, Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. Hezekiah was afraid. They took Lachish. And they've got us on both sides now. That they've got us to the north. We're deserts on the east. And now they've got our west. <clears throat> Israel's gone. They mean serious business. And he panics. And he writes and confesses, I've done wrong. I'll pay you whatever you want. Just leave us alone. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver from the house of the Lord and in the king's house. He stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars and gave it to the king of Assyria. How painful that must have been. Just 14 years earlier, he opened those doors. Just 14 years early, he had started the, the sacrifices all over again so that people could receive the forgiveness of sins because of the lambs being sacrificed on the altar. The word of God being taught from the temple. That very temple, he's stripping the gold off the doors and off the two large pillars in the front. 
and sending them to the king of Assyria. That must have been heartbreaking and difficult for him to do. Then the king of Assyria sent this guy, Rabbisheka, I don't know, whatever. Uh, I'm just going to call him Rob, if that's all right, okay? So he sent Rob to Lachish, from Lachish, with a great army against Jerusalem to the king, Hezekiah. So Hezekiah just sends him all this gold and all this silver, and what's he get in return? An army, Rob, <laughs> yeah, and a great army at his doorstep. Now again, it says there's a great army, and the great army came from Lachish. So the king of Assyria had brought a great army with him, and no doubt had battalions scattered all over in the various cities that they had taken. And there was a great army in Lachish, and such a great army that it was enough to take part of that, no doubt leave some, and send a great army to Jerusalem. Hezekiah says, I've done wrong. Whatever you want, we'll pay. He says, pay this much. They pay this much. And they send a great army anyway. Ever been in that kind of situation? Maybe you're in that kind of situation now. Yeah, maybe you're being black, uh, you know, uh, black, blackmailed. I had it before, yeah, blackmailed. Right now, maybe you've paid, you know, your landlord asked you to pay for something, you paid for it, now they're asking for more. Maybe you're being sued by a tenant or you tried to make it right, they're demanding more. Maybe some creditor demanding more than is just and right. We're going through a situation right now from something two years ago. Clearly their fault. Talk to lawyers. Clearly their fault. They're still sending us the bills. Maybe you're under some kind of attack. Maybe you tried to do your part. Maybe you tried to make it right. Maybe some alimony situation or child payments, or some other debt, and you're just being squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. And you've tried to do your part. You're just always demanding more and asking more. Maybe more not only finance, maybe it's time. Maybe your boss is trying to squeeze more time out of you, and you say, okay, I'll, I'll work the extra time that you need, and now he wants even more time, or she wants more time. Maybe some demands are being put upon you. Maybe your neighbor has requested something. He said, all right, well, just for the peace, I don't think I really should do this, but you know, whatever, just to keep peace in the neighborhood. All right. That is your fence. Or, okay, those two feet are yours, or whatever, you know. Now they want another two feet. You trimmed that tree, and now they want the tree down, and demanding more, and pressing for more. Hezekiah is under this situation. The great army sent to attack him. And Rob said, Say to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? 
I say you speak of having plans and powerful war. They're mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? This broken reed Egypt? This guy, Rob, as we're going to see, very intelligent. This guy, such a politician, very clever. Lawyer, win his case. I mean, his argument is just tight. Calls out to Hezekiah, but he's really not speaking to Hezekiah. Actually, we'll see Hezekiah's not even right there at the moment that he's yelling this up. But who are you trusting in? You're trusting in Egypt? Egypt's nothing. Besides, they got them blocked off. They're already in Lakers, and any route that uh, Egypt will be able to come to help them, being cut off, quickly cut off. So who are you trusting in? You got powerful war? They've already defeated a bunch of your walled cities. You got plans? The great king of Assyria is here. Where's your confidence? Whom are you trusting? Egypt's not going to be able to help you. And the people are already knowing that. Reality is setting in. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord, our God, is it not he in whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? And said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar. So he knew what's going on. He heard. He heard about the revivals that were taking place. He heard that it, they got rid of the false idols and were having people worship in the temple in Jerusalem. But he uses this against Hezekiah. He said, but if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, and he uses the word yud heh vav there. Is it not he whose high places and altars was taken away? So he's using the name for the Lord God of heaven and earth to apply that to the idols that were taken away. And saying you're just worshiping at this altar. To this unknown God, this unseen God, just at an altar. Just where you're burning sacrifices and you're burning animals. But there's no statue there. There's nothing to see there. You took all those things away. Hezekiah had you take away the real Lord gods. The ones you could see. The ones you made. The one in the images of what you pictured God as. And they're all gone. So they can't help you anymore. Hezekiah just has you come into this building and burning incense. Burning lambs. Is this altar going to be able to help you? Those dead lambs going to be able to help you? Those ashes going to be able to help you? He's playing on the minds of the people. It's been 14 years without those idols. And for some of them, it might have seemed that, hey, back when we had our idols, things were better. Back when we had our idols, we didn't have the king of Assyria coming in and taking city after city. And up in Israel, they had laid siege for three years. That's a long time without food and water and trade. And, and they're looking at the reality here. And maybe some of them who got rid of those idols didn't really want to get rid of those idols. Maybe some of those idols disappeared because someone else wanted that idol gone. 
Maybe it was someone else in the family who got rid of that idol. Maybe it was the neighbor who got rid of that idol. Maybe they just did it to go along with the king and the great revival that was coming, but their heart wasn't in it. And here this guy comes along and says, who's going to protect you? you got, Hezekiah made you get rid of those things. Made you get you rid of, of the real Lord God and just has you burning incense to this altar. Maybe the devil's playing those tricks on you. Maybe after, since you've given your heart to the Lord, consecrated yourself to him, a great revival takes place, <clears throat> maybe you're under attack, and Satan is attacking you. Maybe Satan's insinuating some doubts, you know, things were better before I gave my heart to the Lord. I had more friends then, I had more fun then. I had more freedom then, or at least so it seems. I could be addicted to whatever I wanted to be addicted to. And you're wondering and doubting your experience with the Lord. Maybe you had some kind of worship experience before and you grew in the Lord. You grew in the knowledge of the Word of God. And you allowed God to make some changes in your life. And maybe it's not popular, some of the changes. And it's under attack. And you're questioning those changes. You're questioning those decisions. Satan's tempting you. And maybe you're on the wrong path. Maybe you should go back to the old ways. Therefore, I urge you, give pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses, if you're able to, on your part, to put riders on them. And this guy's very clever. He's working both ends all the time here. Just surrender and we will give you plenty. That's what Satan says. Come back to me, and I will give you more than ever. In the book Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim's going along, and he comes across Apollyon. And Apollyon meets him in the path, and stands in the path. And Apollyon offers him more than ever before. He says, why would you give me more? Well, you're more valuable now. Now that you've gone on pilgrimage, now that you have gone seeking the Lord God, now that you have left me, if you come back to me, your witness will be even more powerful. And I will give you more than ever before. Because Satan tries to allure us and offer us more than ever before. More fame or more applause or more friends or more likes or more gold or silver or position or placement. There have been many of believers who surrendered their walk with the Lord for a spouse or for a job or for some other thing that eventually passes away. But God's word never passes away. You'll have more. I'll give you 2,000 horses. So he offers the bribe and then with the cutting remark, and Hezekiah, he doesn't even have enough soldiers to put people on him. 
Come and join our ranks. We got lots of horses. We got lots of chariots. Hezekiah doesn't even have an army that can even sit on the horses that we give you. Leave him. That straight and narrow path with few walking in it. Come and join the Broadway. Come and join the multitudes. Look at our fancy buildings. Look at how much we have in our coffers. Look at how much we can do for you. Look at how much we're doing. Look at the shine. Look at the glory. The way you're going, that narrow path, that path of denial, that path of sacrifice. Boy, it certainly seems like God's losing in this world. Doesn't even have hardly enough believers to do his work. How long has it been since that Bible was completed? 2,000 years? The gospel hasn't gone to the world yet? Come and join our way. Things have been like they've always been. They're never going to change. They've been saying for many years, he's coming, he's coming. Come and join our ranks. We got the majority. We got all the science. We got all the facts. We got all the wise people of this world. Satan tempts today in various different forms, just as he did then. And this guy hits them all. Verse 10, have I come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? He uses again the yud heh vav heh The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. So he's claiming God is on his side. The creator of the universe is on his side. And he directed me to come and get you. He directed me to come and liberate you from Hezekiah and his ways. Come and join the masses. All the world is wandering after the beast. All the world is worshipping the beast. Come and join us. Why be so particular? Why follow those ancient ways? Archaic. God is with us. Look at the miracles. Look at all that we have. Look at the blessings upon us. Look at how many are following. Look at how much we have. Look at how much we're accomplishing. Look at all the good works we're doing. Look at the peace and safety we've brought. Come and join us. Look at the unity that we have. God is with us. Come and join us. God has called us to destroy Hezekiah and Judah. And so they said to Rob, please speak to your servant in Aramaic. For we understand it. Do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So this whole time he's been speaking in Hebrew. Again, this guy is very sharp. 
He studied. He knew. He knew Hebrew. He knew what they were doing. He knew what Hezekiah had done. He knew the longings of the people. He knew his audience. And he wasn't speaking to Hezekiah. He was speaking to the people. Try and form a rebellion among them. Let's just get them to surrender, no matter what Hezekiah says or does. We'll take the city one way or the other. So they beg him, don't speak to us in Hebrew, speak to us in Aramaic. We understand that, the leaders, we understand that. People don't, don't speak to us in Hebrew. But Rab said, has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink their own waste with you? See, I've come not just to speak to Hezekiah. I've come to warn these people on the wall who we're going to lay siege to three years up in Samaria. They ate and drank their own waste. We don't know how long in Lachish, but Lachish, no doubt, was under siege. And so he's now instilling fear. He's offered flattery, cutting remarks, undercutting Hezekiah, claiming God is on his side, and now instilling fear. Do you want your children? Do you want your spouses? Eating their own waste? Drinking their own waste? Eating bird droppings. Eating their babies. Is that what you want? He's appealing to the people. And maybe in whatever situation you're going through, whatever temptations are coming upon you, whatever battle you're going through, maybe you're going through several different kinds. Maybe someone's working around you. Maybe they're talking to all the other employees against you. Maybe they're trying to get your family against you. Maybe they're trying to cut you down by doing the end game. Trying to get rebellion in your camp. by half-truths and untruths, insinuations, using fear tactics and bribery and coercion and manipulation. Rob called out with a loud voice in Hebrew, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you. Not King Hezekiah. The great king, the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria says, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. For he'll not be able to deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord saying, the Lord will surely deliver us from the king of Assyria. 
undercutting, undercutting, undercutting. Maybe Satan's working upon those that you've shared God with. Maybe those that you've ministered to. Maybe those that you've poured out your heart and soul to. Those that you've seen coming close to the Lord and Satan tries to go and grab them before they are sealed. Before they're strong enough to stand, comes and undermines all the words that you've said, the scripture verses that you showed, the loving kindness that you did. And even then, turns and gets them to doubt that the things that you did, oh, they were done for wrong motives. They were really selfish. They didn't have your best interest at heart. Isaiah chapter 36, verse 16. Don't listen to Hezekiah. The king of Assyria says, make peace with me by a present and come out to me and everyone eat from his own vine and his own fig tree and everyone drink waters from his own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine and bread and vineyards. Rebel against Hezekiah. Leave Hezekiah. Come join us. God is with us. And you'll be able to eat of your own bread, your own vineyard, go back to your own home. And then we'll take you to an even better place than that. And you'll have freedom. You'll be free. Try this drug. Try this new thing. You'll have what you want. And even more. And even better. Take you to a certain height. Come and join our ranks. Satan's very deceptive. Very cruel. Very underhanded. <clears throat> Maybe these are some of the very temptations that God has been Satan has been using against you. Trying to pull you away from your commitment to the Lord. Trying to pull you away from the straight and narrow path that God has put you on. Who are we going to listen to? In whom are we going to trust? Are we looking for the pleasures of this world? The promises of this world? Or the true promises? of everlasting life with the Lord God in heaven for eternity. In whom do we put our trust? She said, forsake all and follow me. And the disciples said, we have. And what will we receive? We've left father and mother, sons and children, husbands and wives, friends, what will we receive? He said you will receive tenfold in this life and in the life to come. God has a better plan than everything Satan can offer. Still Isaiah chapter 36, verse 18. Don't let Hezekiah persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any God delivered its land from the king of Assyria? We've taken this nation, this nation, this nation. Israel, where are the gods of 
Have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who delivered them that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? I've conquered this, I've conquered this. Oh, this person used to believe like you believe. And look, they left it. They're now with us. They've joined us. They've given that up. You come too. There are many that will fall away from the truth in the last days. There are many who will take up the cause in the last days as well who haven't before. The lights will shine brighter in the darkness. But many bright lights will go out as well. That's why don't follow a man. Don't follow a woman. Don't follow a person. Don't follow me. Don't believe me. Trust the word of God. Don't follow some big name, some ministry, some book writer. Trust in the Lord our God because bright lights will go out and many will fall away with them. Hold fast to the Lord God. Doesn't matter who follows the devil. I hear that song. Though no one follows, yet I will follow. Many will stop following. But we need to follow regardless. Many left Yeshua. He looked at his disciples and said, do you want to leave also? They said, who else will we follow? Who else, where else can we go? You are the true one. Follow the Lord. Worship him. Stay fast to him. Hold fast to him and him alone. Doesn't matter who else leaves. Doesn't matter who else falls. Doesn't matter who else turns their back. Follow the Lord God. And Satan, the anti-Messiah, will claim many victories, but it doesn't matter. Follow the Lord God. <clears throat> so they held their peace and didn't answer him a word, for the king's commandment was, do not answer him. They're good, they're still following the king. They came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of Rob. So Hezekiah hears it. What does he do? In the beginning, when he saw the king of Assyria coming in and taking city after city, he wrote to him, I was wrong. Make peace with me. Whatever you want, I will do. They sent a great army and this slick-talking guy and he bring him the message. What does he do? Isaiah chapter 37, verse 1, when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Elohim, Shibna, the scribe, and the elders covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. 
My question is, why didn't he do that in the beginning? That's what he should have done in the beginning. Now maybe the Lord would have impressed Isaiah and would have sent him a message. Take the gold from the doors and take the gold from the pillars and send them over to the king. Maybe he would have done that. I don't know. Jeremiah gives kind of messages like that. We'll see later on. Serve king of Babylon. Surrender to the king of Babylon. We don't know because he didn't do it. He didn't seek the Lord. At least it doesn't say it. He didn't go and ask advice from the Lord in the temple. He didn't send a message to Isaiah, the prophet. What would the Lord have us to do? He just sent a message to the king of Syria. I was wrong. And he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he admitted wrong when he wasn't wrong, which isn't a healthy thing to do. It's a good thing to admit wrong when we're wrong. But not when we're not wrong. I was wrong, and I will serve you. Tell me whatever you want. Well, again, God might have had him do that, but he didn't ask. At least the Bible doesn't say he asked. But at least now he's asking. If he would have asked earlier, he might have saved a lot of people and a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble. How about in your life? We threw out a bunch of different possibilities that are going on in our lives right now. Maybe God impressed you with some other things that are going on in your life. Some other attacks that Satan is using, whether using people or situations. You're feeling surrounded. Have you torn your clothes? Have you gone into the house of the Lord? Have you put on sackcloth? Have you prayed and fasted? Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, deliver me. Lord, guide me and direct me. How do you want me to respond in this situation? How do you want me to deal with it? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Should I pay that unjust debt? Or should I hold out? Should I give more or should I not? Should I bend over more or not? What would you have me to do? That's what Hezekiah finally does. <clears throat> Is that where you started your journey? In whatever problem you're facing now? If not, repent of it. Ask God to forgive you. Lord, I'm sorry I ran out the gate without asking it. Sorry I got so caught up in the problem, I forgot to seek your advice. And accept the Messiah's death for the forgiveness of that. And maybe in not seeking God's advice, you made the matter worse. Maybe you said some things in a way you shouldn't have said them. Maybe you said some words that you shouldn't have said. Maybe you took some actions that, again, just made it worse. Repent of that. Ask God's forgiveness. 
and accept his forgiveness because the Messiah died for us. The forgiveness is already there. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his gift of repentance and accept his power to change. Accept his power to make it right. Since we're here today, it's not too late, like Hezekiah, to seek the Lord, to repent, to fast, to pray, and to seek counsel of the Word of God. And let God take you through whatever you're going through. And by God's grace, next week, we'll find out what Isaiah, the son of Amos, says to Hezekiah. And what happens? What's the rest of the story? <coughs> Lord willing, that'll be next week. But I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the story in your life as well. It's what God is doing and what God is going to do. And the victories that God will give you. So as we pray together, whatever God's speaking to your heart tonight, maybe you're being harassed, maybe you're being tempted, maybe you're being pulled, or maybe they're working around you and speaking to the people on the wall, trying to undermine your influence, <clears throat> destroy your credibility. As we pray together, surrender it to the Lord. Trust in him. Hold fast to him. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, <clears throat> we are thankful that you are an ever-ready help in our time of trouble. You are with us and never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, forgive us for not always seeking you. Forgive us for moving into our days at times, into work and into actions and activities and relationships without first seeking you. Lord, forgive us for times where we've backslidden. Forgive us for times where we've listened to the temptations of the devil. Forgive us for when we've listened to the lies that have undermined your word, and your messengers, your leaders. Seal our ear, ears to Satan's doubts and lies and deceptions. Hold us fast in your word, to your truth, and your straight and your narrow path. In Yeshua's holy name, guide and direct and give us wisdom in our situations, Show us what you would have us to do or not do according to your will. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.